knowing Stephanie Meyer's history oh, that's with, right. uh, <laughs> with music, it was probably my chemical romance. Oh, Phil, uh, <laughs> Phil, you've got some good taste. Hello, internet, and welcome to a podcast all about Twilight. I'm here to answer all the questions you never asked and take a deep dive into the Twilight universe. I'm your host, Grace, and this is To My Chagrin. Hi, once again, I'm Grace. Welcome back to episode three of To My Chagrin. And today I am joined by Libby. And Libby, did you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, um, I am Libby. I am an art history major currently. And um, I'm really excited to be on here because I read this book when it first came out. And I have a lot of feelings about it. So today we're going to go over chapters 7 through 10. Um, Instead of our normal three chapters, I had us do four because 9 and 10 kind of fit well with each other, I think. Uh, They all do. They belong in the same book. Uh, But (laughs) 9 and 10 were pretty short and fit well together. So I figured it would be a good thing to kind of squish together. Okay, so uh, if you're ready, we can go ahead and get started with chapter 7, which is called Nightmare. So uh, this is where Bella gets home after La Push. She is moody again, as Bella always is. She doesn't want to eat. She goes straight to her room. And she spends a, there's like a long like exposition about her just listening to the CD. She's listening to the CD that Phil gave her. And it's, she has this long exposition, like multiple paragraphs. And she's like, I wouldn't be into this type of music but I need something to drown out my thoughts, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I just thought it was a very teenage part of this set of novels, right? And so uh, she talks about how she wouldn't normally be into this type of music, but Phil got it for her and it works out. And then she makes a mental note that she wants to tell him like, hey, this music was really good actually, Um, which I thought was a little bit sweet. I'm just very curious as to what music she does like like um because i it, i'm trying to like understand like what kind it sounds like it was maybe like rock music that the cd had on it um and it seemed like because she like described it as like blaring noise um knowing stephanie meyer's history oh that's with, right uh, <laughs> with music it was probably my chemical romance oh phil uh, <laughs> phil you've got some good taste and so I'm pretty sure it was probably like Fallout Boy, My Chemical Romance. That's exactly what she was oh, thinking Bella, of. Bella for sure wouldn't like that at first. <laughs> no, not at all. And I don't really think Bella's into a lot of music because she talks about classical music a little bit with oh. Edward. And she goes, oh, that's my mom's music. And right. then like the new wave stuff Phil listens to. She's like, oh, that's Phil's music. <laughs> I don't think she's into music. Okay, that makes sense. So that night, she goes to sleep in her bed with her shoes on and everything. It's a mess. Uh, I take my shoes off by the door like a normal person should. I think I, but... think I do, too. I think I sleep without shoes on. <laughs> um, so she dreams about LaPush again. And 
somehow she like knows it's a dream that's what we get the first line she's like i knew it was a dream somehow yeah (laughs) it was weird mike and jacob are like screaming at her to run she's in like the woods and she says she can like smell the ocean which is really cool um I don't remember being able to smell in my dreams, but I believe her. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's like it's a premonition almost like because like, yeah, it's not like the stuff that she's envisioning in her dreams is like true, you know, and. Like- I honestly am starting to think that Bella has some really unexplored like clairvoyance to her. Yeah, I, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um Jacob eventually like falls and he becomes this wolf with reddish hair and you know as we know that's what he looks like in as his wolf form um a redhead nice I was reading the first couple of chapters and Edward has like reddish yeah like auburn yeah she's like auburn bronze stuff like that and that's not that's not the brown dark-haired brown edward that we saw in the movies also like i don't know it's interesting because um this is i i remember reading about this but this is like a my chemical romance fanfic um did did, um who is the band member that she wrote this for gerard way did he ever have like dark red hair i think so gerard way 2006 uh so i think that was around the time of it looks like I'm gonna out myself as a former (laughs) emo kid um it looks like around the time of when they were doing Black Parade and that's when he had like platinum blonde hair okay (laughs) and his like natural hair is like a dark brown but I don't see the red so maybe ooh, here's a picture of him with red hair so maybe maybe she She, like picked out her favorite like um favorite gerard Gerard, era yes thank you i'm forgetting his name i'm sorry no it's totally fine uh i don't expect everyone to know as much as i know about (laughs) things in 2006 when we were eight years old for sure no my my sister did like my chemical romance jacob falls and becomes a wolf with reddish hair and we talked a little bit about that. And then Mike continues to yell at as Edward comes out looking really scary. And I think if I had woken up from the stream, I'd be like, mm, that seems bad. Maybe I should avoid Edward. Yeah. And like dreams always put me in like a, uh, like a bad mood. Like, especially if it's like of someone that I know. And like when I was in high school, I had a dream that one of my classmates like murdered everyone in the school and I could not look at him the same like I couldn't talk to him for like a week because it like affected me so much and like I just like I don't know Bella maybe it's because they have like some kind of connection that like draws them close to each other but it just seems like there are so many red flags that Bella just avoids (laughs) yeah I think that's so many things if okay if bella was a clairvoyant she would be a very bad one because she does not read the signs correctly (laughs) (laughs) and so all of these things seem like red flags and then the wolf lunges at edward's throat and that's when she screams and wakes up from her dream so not really a lot happens during it uh so she wakes up it's a sunday morning at 5 30 a.m which i would instantly go back to sleep but bella decides to get up for the day 
She goes and takes a shower. One thing I thought was really funny is that she has absolutely no care for Charlie because she just starts blow drying her hair at like five in the morning. Charlie could just be dead asleep. You know, he spent the whole day fishing and she goes, mm, I'm going to blow dry my hair. Does Charlie deserved better. I really, I do agree. I, I was listening to the first episode of this podcast and I, I just, I heard you all talking about Charlie and I was just like, I totally totally agree she like Bella should have just a tiny bit more respect for him I yeah I think a tiny bit more uh can also be oceans and oceans more because Charlie deserves the work yes I one thing I noticed about Bella is I thought I remembered her being this messy person right her room was never really put well together she kind of just ran around always tripping over stuff and everything but like this morning she puts everything in its place she's like oh i opened my drawer and i put my headphones in my drawer like you know my where my headphones would be on my bed and then i would get really upset when i couldn't find them a couple hours later i thought it was really interesting that bella was a lot more organized uh than the idea of that i had of bella in my head and uh she decides to do uh she says she's dials up her internet which i thought was really funny <laughs> i thought dial up internet was over by 2006 but maybe i just <laughs> hey this is this is forks it's, it's timeless no, that's there true. that's true um that might be her whole thought process she's like ah, in stephanie i was probably like in forks where charlie lives they would never have like a wi-fi router <laughs> they would have dial up internet <laughs> so i thought that was really i thought that was a really funny um it kind of dated everything that happens in these novels yes. as well uh we all know it's the basically the year that it was written 2006 2008 something like that uh but it really set the whole thing in motion of what time it was really so she dials up her internet and she searches vampires which Okay, Bella. <laughs> she finds vampires A to Z, and this is where Stephanie Meyer gets really not creative at all. Let me find the quotes in the book before I continue. So she finds vampires A to Z, and there are two quotes that greet her on the homepage. And ignore how you can hear my cat's bells. Um, it says, throughout the vast shadowy world of ghosts and demons, there's no figure so terrible, no figure so dreaded, and aboard um abhorred is that how you say that word aboard <laughs> i think okay um <laughs> i'll edit that okay. uh maybe <laughs> uh no figures are dreaded and aboard uh yet dight with such fearful fashion fascination as the vampire who is himself neither ghost nor demon but yet who partakes in the dark natures and possesses the mysterious and terrible qualities of both Reverend Montague Summers, Montague Summers, my bad, <laughs> Reverend Montague Summers. And then there's another quote and it says, if there is in this world a well-attested account, it is that of the vampires. Nothing is lacking. Official reports, affidavits of well-known people, turning the page, of surgeons, of priests, and magistrates. The judicial proof is most complete. And with all that, who is there to believe in vampires? And that's from Rousseau. And why would that be at the beginning of a vampire index? It's dramatic. <laughs> if there was this entire... And I also wonder if those are real quotes. I actually didn't look it up. 
but I'm just going to believe her that they're real quotes and she found them somewhere and that's also what inspired her to write this novel. Um, but I wouldn't think to find that at anything besides the beginning of a uh, gothic vampire novel or somebody's like really well done essay, you know? Yeah. And so she has those quotes, which I just thought were something worth pointing out. And then they go into different vampire types. And there's the Filipino Danag, uh, the Hebrew Estire, um, Estir. There's the Polish Upir, Upper, Upir, Upir. I'm going to. I think I like that one better. I, go ahead. I, um, again, I'm, whoop. I Googled some of these, um, just as. Awesome. And some of them are made up. I'm pretty sure like the Hebrew Estire, I couldn't find anything about that. Um, but I was intrigued when I looked up the Filipino Danag. Like she she mm -hmm. got kind of that myth right when she described it in here. But in the article that I found, uh, I found, do, do you know like some of the lore of how vampires started? Like how they I came don't. to you be? Wanna, you want to inform I, us? I found this very intriguing and a little bit sexy. Um, <laughs> uh, so it talks of, of the tales of Lilith, who apparently is the first vampire. Um, and so like they described her as the, the first temptress and um, it's from the Bible. And apparently she was um, Adam's first wife, <laughs> but refused God's word of male dominance and proved it to be, um, or proved it by being on top during intercourse. <laughs> mm. And she was banished from the garden of Eden because of that and I think that is so cool that that's how like one of the myths of like vampirism is just a girl wanting to be on top during sex <laughs> <laughs> I've actually heard of Lilith before um I've never like heard it within churches or anything like that but I've seen a lot of plays about it and things like that and so I think I think Lilith whoa i think lilith is kind of a girl boss but <laughs> but she's definitely sorry hmm? it doesn't really relate to the story but i thought it was intriguing no i think it definitely does there's a lot of religious context that uh there's a lot of religious under what's the word what's the word for under something Undertones. Thank you. Uh, there's a lot of religious undertones in this novel and all of Stephanie Meyer's novels. And so the fact that vampires were also derived straight from my cat fell. You okay, kitty cat? Oh, I'm sorry to laugh. No, it's okay. She's just dumb. She tipped over a box. Oh. <laughs> um, but the fact that Lilith is also a story in the Bible and is the first vampire really kind of ties everything together with a neat little bow of Mormonism. Yes. <laughs> I, I would also like to say that um, Stragoni Benefici is mm -hmm. completely Stephanie Meyer's made up vampire. Because uh, I Googled <laughs> it and the first picture was of Carlisle from the movie. Um. <laughs> Amazing. And so, yeah, so there's the Roma Romanian uh, Veracolci and the Slavic Nalapsi. And then uh, if anybody is mad at me, please do not leave a bad review. Just tweet at me or something. Uh, 
I can't pronounce words in general. Um, I'm begging you. Uh, and then the Italian <laughs> Stragani Benefici. Um, and those are the only good vampires, it says. And that's what gave Bella hope. And uh, the fact that you Googled them and only found Carlisle definitely confirms my suspicions that she's just setting up the Volturi. And like for a quote from the book, the Stragani Benefici are an Italian vampire said to be on the side of goodness and a mortal enemy of all evil vampires. So I thought that was just a really odd kind of setup. Uh, she could have just done that one alone and not gone through all of these fake ones, but um, I'm glad she's not abusing culture for her own gains, except for when it comes to the Filipino ones. She could have just made them all up. <laughs> Anyway, those are the different vampires. And then Bella finds out a little bit more about the different vampire traits. And, you know, they uh, are blood drinkers, enemies of the werewolves, cold-skinned and immortal, super strong, all the stuff that uh, movie Bella points out when she asks if he's a vampire. I, um, I'm really bummed that... Uh, stephanie meyer didn't decide to like name drop like dracula or nosferatu like especially since like bella is into classics like i feel like that would have been fitting and also kind of a little silly but um i just it's interesting that like i, I guess it, it is like her kind of building like a more mysterious and like sexy vampire but <laughs> um i really would have liked her to like kind of reference those things kind of like I said especially since Bella is more knowledgeable in like classical music the classic books like um Wuthering Heights yeah Bella is a huge classics fan there's no way that she hasn't read Dracula like five or ten times yeah. just because it's a classic and so the fact that they just kind of ignore the classics in general to uh well not the classics but Dracula Nosferatu all that I think it's almost as if we're in a world where they don't exist uh, to kind of make it seem so that vampire lore is way more under the table than in like 80s slasher films and stuff like that, you know? Right. Um, so Bella starts to embarrass herself even thinking about it. She's like, I'm an idiot. Why would I think he's a vampire? That type of stuff. You know, teenage girls. Yes. And... <laughs> she starts to do some deep thinking which i think this is like one of the first times she's thought in this whole novel um <laughs> but once her brain starts going it starts going and she's like ah should i avoid him do i want to avoid him and she decides eventually like she cares too much to avoid him and she sees that caring too much as uh that's what she got from her dream in general right instead of thinking oh Edward is scary. Everyone's telling me to get away from Edward, Jacob, and Mike, and everything. Uh, she goes, but I was really sad when he was about to get killed by a wolf. Oh, gosh. And so she thinks she's in too deep, and she goes, well, I guess I like him. And this is also all of these thoughts she has while sitting in the woods, because she decided to go on a walk in the woods, which is super out of character for Bella. That's what I was thinking, and like... I, I, another thing that I was thinking is like, you know, the whole like um, time period that this book was supposed to take place in, like, I guess mm -hmm. there wasn't like Netflix that you could put on or I don't know. I just feel like there's other things she could have done 
she could have gone for a drive that's what she could have yeah. done like I think a lot on drives and that seems she seems to like her truck so that seems like a fella thing to do I guess um yeah and she just very much doesn't seem like an outdoors person so no I definitely if I were Bella I wouldn't have been like oh let me walk into the woods but I think the woods was also a really important part of this decision because once she was in her house and she goes ah this can't possibly be real but once she was surrounded by the beauty of the pacific northwest and all the trees and everything um things that she remembered from her childhood you know like she said that charlie would point out different trees for her which i thought was really sweet um but when she like you know pointed out the pacific north when she was like in the woods in the pacific northwest and all the beauty that came with them she goes maybe magic could be real so yeah so i think that the beauty of the woods was a really big part of convincing her that this was all kind of worth it you know what i mean yeah and i honestly i can understand that because like you know walking through the woods you you want to believe that like I would love to believe that gnomes are real. I would love to see a little garden yeah. gnome running up and hit my ankles. That would be freaking great. Um, it's just interesting that, like, I, I just find it interesting that, like, after being so embarrassed for, for like, searching vampires and stuff on it, um, it's still, like, dwelling in her thoughts. And, um, oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> No, it's totally fine. I definitely get where you're kind of going. You know, the fact that going into the woods brings that magic alive. The fakeness becomes real when she's surrounded by all that beauty. I definitely, uh, I remember like as a kid, you know, every time we would drive past somewhere, I'm like, ah, this could be like a really cool fantasy. There's probably a dragon back there or something like that. And I think it's really nice to see Bella... Uh, not being as much of a skeptic as she seems to be, you know? She's very willing to believe vampires are real. There's a fetish in there somewhere, probably. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, she gets home around noon, and she decides to do all her homework. She thinks a lot about homework, which I get. She's a teenage girl, but you know what I would be doing? I would not just say, hmm. He's a vampire and give up with my day. <laughs> uh, that's all I would be thinking about for so long. Yeah, if I were Bella, I would not be, oh, let me do my Macbeth homework. I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I'd go thinking about vampires all day long. It, I think it's like another one of those things where it's um, very much the I'm not like most girls trope, where like instead of calling Jessica and sitting on the phone and laying down while kicking her feet back, um she's like I'm gonna work on my homework (laughs) (laughs) you know what Bella nobody likes to try hard (laughs) and so the next day it's super sunny outside and that completely changes the Bella that we know the Bella that we know has really bad seasonal depression (laughs) seasonal depression and so all the rain and stuff just makes her really sad um and all this stuff but then as soon as it's sunny she goes this is literally the best day of my life (laughs) and she like runs downstairs and she finally is nice to charlie is it backhanded yes but we're getting somewhere the bar is in hell (laughs) and so she said and this is a quote from the book he smiled back his brown eyes crinkling around the edges when charlie smiled 
It was easier to see why he and my mother had jumped too quickly into an early marriage. And (laughs) then she goes on to diminish that. She goes, most of the young romantic he'd been in those days had faded before I'd known him. Uh, As the curly brown hair, the same color, if not the same texture as mine, had dwindled, slowly revealing more and more of the sky. Ooh the shiny skin of his forehead. But when he smiled, I could see a little of the man who had run away with Renee when she was just two years older than I was now. And that was kind of sweet. And then she goes, his shiny, sweaty forehead. (laughs) And I'm like, Bella, you're ruining it for all of us. We were rooting for you. And like, I remember uh, you talking about this in the first episode about how like a lot of her view of him might come from her mother, just talking about him with her mother. Um, yeah so she probably has some uh disdain towards him is that the word I want to use yeah she probably has some disdain towards him uh just from you know talking with her mom um but it's I still think it's not fair (laughs) I don't think it's fair at all but I definitely agree that Renee brainwashed Bella you know I bet when she got with Phil she goes oh this is my boyfriend Phil and then like later that night when they were talking about him or whatever because you know Renee's only friend is her daughter of course she's gonna gossip with her even if it's inappropriate (laughs) and she was probably like Phil has a full head of hair if you look at your father recently (laughs) he's balding and I know that's exactly what happened freaking Phil and I don't like I don't blame Phil. He's probably just like, why do you keep talking about your ex-husband all the time? <laughs> that poor man's he's probably he probably thought he got the MILF of his dreams. And then all of a sudden, all she does is talk about Charlie. Charlie and his um, shiny forehead. Yeah. And so uh this is Cheery Bella. And Cheery Bella starts her day and she goes and does her homework at school because she left too early because she was so excited to just be alive that day. Um, and so she goes and does her homework and she daydreams for a long time. And the next thing you know, Mike is back. Mike is Mike. And <laughs> he gets a, she gets approached by Mike and he's flirting and he like reaches out and like touches her hair. And she goes, this feels weird. I hate it. And which is fair. Uh, I would not want the teenage boy who was flirting with me all the time and obsessed with me to touch me without my consent. Mike, please. Um, (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen Vampire Diaries. Um, I believe that came out after this book. But um, I very much see like just like the hair touching and stuff is very much a dramatic thing that like any guy in like a TV series or a movie would do like to show that you like them it's just like oh your hair um but he also mike very much reminds me of matt in in vampire diaries because he seems like it's Mm -hmm. just the blonde doe-eyed like uh head over heels in love with the main character who couldn't give a rat's ass about him um this is explicit so you can curse (laughs) (laughs) i was hesitant (laughs) <laughs> no, it's totally okay. I meant to say that earlier. Uh, we're marked as E. And so... <laughs> Good to know. Yes. Do I cut out my own cursing so my parents don't hear? 100%. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
so Mike, he flirts and he touches her. And you're right. It is that teenage boy. This is like the move that he can make. It's not like he can just grow, go up and like, grab her boobs, <laughs> but <laughs> which is, I'm sure is what he wants to do. <laughs> um, and, you know, they talk a little bit about the essay and she's like, oh, I wrote about how Shakespeare is misogynistic. And he just gives her a blank stare. And he's like, oh, do you want to go out to dinner with me tonight instead? <laughs> right. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> she's like mike you are literally an idiot um but she bella threatens him in classic girl boss bella way and she goes if you tell anybody i'm gonna beat you oh up. it's a uh, which... cheerfully beat you to death <laughs> yeah and once again cheerful bella and <laughs> so she threatens to cheerfully beat him to death if he ever tells jess that he she said this but she explains to mike you need to stop asking me out. Jessica is into you. Focus on Jessica. I am not into you. Jessica? <laughs> and he says, who's Jessica? Like, shut up. <laughs> the girl who's been crushing on you this entire time. Obviously, he knows who Jessica is. But, <laughs> and then, you know, he gets moody. He gets deep in his thoughts. Um, oh, rejection. <laughs> exactly and Bella goes about her whole day and she's just waiting to see the Cullen she's like ah, I wonder if I can just spot things now I knew they never ate their food blah 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 um but the Cullens weren't there of course it's a sunny day and you would think okay you would think she would have put this I was about to say that <laughs> go ahead go ahead it's just interesting because you know like after doing all that research, like one of the last things that she couldn't figure out was the whole sun thing because she sees them out in the daytime. So that's, you know, that was frustrating her. And then here we are on this lovely sunny day and she doesn't even, that's not even mentioned. Like, oh, maybe that's It doesn't why. even cross her mind. She's literally like, oh, why aren't they here? Like, girl, it is bright outside. <laughs> Think about it for one second. And I would totally get it if she hadn't come to the conclusion that they were vampires yet, but she had. And so she gets invited to go to Port Angeles with uh, Jess and Angela and Lauren. And once she learns that Lauren, the mean girl, is going along, she's like, eh, I don't really want to go. Um, and then, but Angela invites her again and she's like, yeah, I mean, I'll go. Because she needs something to distract herself since she got put back into a deep depression because the Cullens weren't there. It ends up that poor Angelus, well, okay, really the whole school day goes by, nothing big happens. If the Cullens aren't there, Bella doesn't talk about it. <laughs> so they get home, she gets home and just decides to postpone the trip because Mike asked her to dinner, which win for Bella, yeah. got Mike off her back. Um, Bella matchmaker, Bella queen, Bella bachelor. <laughs> <laughs> Bella black, Bella black, Bella Bla uh, I'm my my mind doesn't can't say that okay continue <laughs> god bella blatchler it's bella blatchler <laughs> it's okay um so she decides that she's gonna sunbathe after school and uh she got okay she got to school in like march by now it's only like april or something like that like it's not it's not that long later uh she's further north than i am i'm in virginia as uh, as are you i believe yes. and uh so us in virginia you know we get like longer days than people in the north and stuff like that but 
uh, or we get shorter days than people in the north. Uh, but I guess because I'm all the way down here, I the fact that she can sunbathe after school and it's still warm enough well, <laughs> in the middle of like spring. Also, like Upper West Coast, really tall trees, and and it's like okay, get out of school at like four. Yeah, the sun, I would assume she'd be home at four. The sun would be behind the trees by then, right? <laughs> That's what I would think. And I know I it's spent like uh, last summer. <laughs> I know, I know. But I spent last summer in Montana and the sun would not set until like 10 p.m., which was crazy to me. And it was still bright outside by like eight. And this was midsummer. You know what? Yeah. This is- um, yeah, I just went to Idaho this past week. And it was kind of the same mm-hmm. where like the sun would and Granted, there's not a lot of trees in Idaho, but, like, the sun definitely stayed up a little bit longer. (laughs) Yeah, but also, this is spring. I would assume that the sun is still barely going around, you know, because, you know, in Alaska, they only get the sun some of the year. (laughs) Um, Are we overthinking this? Yes. But I just wouldn't think that it would be good enough for her to sunbathe in. That was my whole point. Come on, Stephanie Meyer. Be logical uh, in your (laughs) fictional universe. Exactly. Um, so she decides to sunbathe after school. She had already written to her mom and she is kind of dreading writing to her mom right now. She's like, my mom just wants too much. I don't care enough to write back to her. But she finally got back to her. Um, and so she goes out and she's sunbathing and she tries to read. And it's one of those, everything reminds me of him moments. (laughs) Which, uh, we're not talking about. Sorry, mom and dad. We're not talking about like zucchinis and bananas over here. We're talking about the name Edward, which all these clues are right in front of her and she's ignoring them. She is reading this book from like the turn of the century, like 1890, 1920, like that type of of thing. And the names are like Edmund and Edward and all of that. And she goes, why was that name so popular way back when? And then she just glances over it weren't there any other names available (laughs) and she doesn't even think oh edward hmm it is kind of a weird name for a 17 year old boy right now but if he's a vampire that means he's old right like put all the dots together she has all of them and they're just sitting there not connected (laughs) maybe it's like um one of those goosebump books where you like you the reader make the decisions it's maybe it's like we're supposed to be like solving the mystery for her (laughs) (laughs) yeah probably um oh and then she falls asleep because bella is a sleepy gal she (laughs) she falls asleep anywhere and everywhere that she can and charlie eventually gets home it wakes her up she kind of panics she like runs into the house and she's like sorry that dinner wasn't made which kind of makes me think that renee was demanding and so she gets home she starts to make dinner for charlie and they hang out that night which i think is really sweet and she watches tv with him they just chill out for a couple hours and she's like i don't really like what we're doing but i'm really happy that he's happy that i'm here and i just thought that was really sweet um and one of like my most memorable i know we a little comparison to the movie is like um there's like a scene where they're in a diner eating together and i don't i don't know why this is stuck in my memory maybe because like the steak fries look so delicious but like, like there's like 
like a scene with a ketchup and I don't know, it was just very intriguing to me. And I thought it was cute. Like I, I, um, I think it's nice. Oh my God. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> you think it's nice that they just spend time together? Yes. I think it is nice that they get to spend time together. I do too. I think that when Bella finally kind of gets over herself and realizes, you know, he's my dad. Uh, it's one of the genuine moments. And talks about going to Port Angeles tomorrow night and she doesn't really ask if it's okay. She doesn't really ask for permission. And he asks a couple questions. He's like, why? <laughs> because Bella has, okay, Bella is like, why does this man not want me to leave the house? No, Bella, you never leave the house. You spend all day in the house, every single day by yourself he's wondering why you're going out all of a sudden because it's weird and also like dress shopping even though she's not going to the dance exactly and bella's never been one to do something that she doesn't want to do uh she's pretty stubborn in that way and so if it's not her idea she doesn't really want to do it so the fact that she's willing to just go dress shopping with these people crazy um <clears throat> and then she asks him she's like are you gonna be okay if I don't cook dinner for you tomorrow night. And he hits her with the, I've fed myself for 17 years, Bells. <laughs> That's by Charlie Woods. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> um, <clears throat> and it's just like another reminder that Renee needed Bella to survive. So the next day, still sunny outside, no Cullens once again. The day kind of goes by without much mention from Bella. Like this is only like a couple paragraphs and they finally go to Port Angeles and Jessica picks Angela and Bella up and they're on their way. And that's the end of chapter seven. We'd like to take this break to uh, say that this podcast is sponsored by, uh, I can't remember the name of the Italian restaurant that they went to. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Just kidding. Uh, we, are, <laughs> we are sponsored by the only Italian restaurant in Forks <laughs> or Port Angeles, whatever. Uh, we, we are sponsored by Honeycrisp Apples. Uh, more superior <laughs> than Red Delicious. Um, yes. Thank you, Honeycrisp uh, Apples. Okay. This is a Red Delicious hate podcast. <laughs> yes. If you want um, to uh, feel like you're taking a bite into um, human skin wrapped around uh, a marshmallow, then buy some Red Delicious. But if you don't want to do that, because who would, um, please get any other apple. I like Granny Smith's. Um, Granny Smith's. So that's kind of the end of the chapter. She's a little bit better to Charlie, but once again, that bar is in hell. And <laughs> we see a little bit of solo, solo Bella's personality. Feminist Bella, Bella who sleeps all the time, Bella who likes to read. She finally kind of does things for herself instead of just wandering around school, wondering where Edward is. And so I think that's an, uh, we got a little bit of the Bella that people pretend exists in the movies. I would like to say that uh, Cheery Bella is much better than Mopey Bella. Yes, for the record, Mopey Bella is disgusting. No more Mopey Bella, I beg of Mopey you. Bella, <laughs> Mopey Bella would eat Red Delicious, and Cherry Bella would eat a Grammy, Granny Smith. Yes, exactly. And so, chapter eight is called Port Angeles. And this is where they get to the big city, which is probably just a little bit bigger than Forks as their outlet mall. Um, they get to the city and apparently everyone drives too fast for Bella. She's just like, 
we got there really fast because Jess is a speed demon, even faster than the chief. And <laughs> I think Bella just drives really incredibly slow. Well, you know, um, she's very accident prone. You know, she's a, she's a little clumsy girl. So like, gotta take things slow. She's probably terrified of car crashes. As you should be. <laughs> yes, please drive safe. Wear your seatbelts. Sponsored by seatbelts. Seat <laughs> <laughs> this is seatbelt propaganda. <laughs> um, so Stephanie Meyer has never had friends in her life, and I can promise you that. Because she opens this chapter up and she goes, It was nice to have a girls' night. I needed a little bit of an estrogen rush to get me going. Okay, I've been a woman my entire life, and I have never gotten an estrogen rush from hanging out with my gal pals. You wanna, might want to check your medication, Bella. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was, like, the funniest, most, like, out-of-touch line. Like, that is a line written by a man. A very much a line from 2006, circa 2006 to 8. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, Bella really, okay, so going on, Bella really likes Port Angeles. She thinks that it's really pretty. She wants to see the pier eventually. Drop something. Uh, she wants to see the pier eventually, stuff like that. They end up getting to the dress shop and everyone kind of, they start talking about Tyler and Jess is like, you know, Lauren hates you because Tyler wants to take you to prom. And Bella loses her mind. She goes, what the, why would this man want to bring me to prom? Blah, 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 blah. And I, everyone's, I'm mm -hmm. so sorry. I want to fight Bella. <laughs> Go ahead. I just, it's like, she's very much like a pick me girl that um, is like very unaware of the amount of men that are into her and just like yes. gets shocked every time. And it just like, it's just like the clumsiness trope. Like after a while, it gets so very annoying. <laughs> and like, it, mm -hmm. it just, it very much makes her seem like maybe this is me just wanting to rewrite the book but i really would have <laughs> loved to see bella as a more stronger like feminist um very aware of how beautiful she is kind of girl instead of just like whine, whiny clumsy girl like it, it like maybe when i was uh 12 or when did it oh my god i was freaking nine when i read this um mm -hmm. Maybe when I was that age and reading this, I was like, I'm clumsy too. This is so relatable. <laughs> um, but now that I'm older, I'm just like, oh, this is, this is really frustrating. Yeah. And I think it's also because our definitions of feminism have changed over the years. They've evolved. It used to be, you know, a girl who doesn't care about men is a feminist. The girls who recognize that men uh they don't really need to be obsessed with the boys around them. That's a feminist, stuff like that. And like now, you know, we're really sex positive. Most of us are really sex positive. The feminist movement is like for women to be confident in how beautiful they are, confident in the fact that they turn heads, stuff like that. And so Bella was a feminist because she didn't care about dresses and men and dances. And part of that was because she was clumsy. But like if she were, if it were like 2021, Bella... Feminist Bella would have to be, in order to be a good protagonist, she would have to be like Vampire Bella, you know, where she's like, ah, I'm sexy and I walk really well. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a trip. 
exactly like oh now i can walk in heels <laughs> that would be a great 2021 protagonist bella um <clears throat> so they talk about lauren being jealous and that's why she hates bella which is just petty high school stuff i, I want the vampires <laughs> <laughs> and they're dress shopping and bella i think is surprisingly helpful she's encouraging them she's like oh you look really good in this you should get that blah 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 and it's a lot different than movie bella who's so disinterested and such a bad friend i just i just think movie bella is just a very dry character <laughs> oh yeah for sure um but you know this Bella she's like oh you look beautiful you should get what you want like these dresses look great and I really appreciate uh girl boss Bella who hypes other women up snaps to that <laughs> and uh she thinks about Renee again because that's all that's on her mind ever is her mother so after all of the dress shopping Jessica is kind of scurrying around looking for shoes and and Angela and Bella are next to each other, and Bella decides to ask Angela questions instead of Jess, because Jess is gossipy, Jess is rude, she'll ask a million questions, and Bella's like, I don't want to talk to anybody, I just want answers. <laughs> so Bella's like, why are the Cullens missing? Like, where have they been? And Angela, I imagine she has a much mousier voice in Stephanie Meyer's head than she does <laughs> in any description of her. But she's like, uh, you know, uh, the girl from pitch perfect the one that like you can barely understand yes. and then every time she talks it's like i killed my twin in the woods. yeah oh my god yes <laughs> i'm glad that you remember that quote <laughs> i absorbed him um anyway and so <laughs> when bella talks to angela that's what i imagine and so she's like bella's like so um why aren't the why aren't the collins at school today and angela's like well they don't come to school during the sunny times and that's just it when it's bright outside they go outdoors i wish i could go outdoors <laughs> it's just like that's exactly what happens um that's how i imagine the conversation in the book oh and bella, bella really got a lot of info out of that <laughs> i know and bella decides that she loves angela more and more she's like i'm really starting to like this girl because she just does not ask questions and that's bella's bare minimum she's like nobody talk to me <laughs> nobody look at me but please talk back when i speak <laughs> <laughs> God. um and so the girls decide to go to the pier and bella's like but i want to go to a bookstore but i don't want to inconvenience them so they can go i'm gonna go by myself bella big city by yourself please i know please i beg you when i was i'm assuming that this is like is this freshman sophomore like 15 I would be so nervous to go alone in a city, uh, but maybe it's because like she's, you know, grown up, you know, very much adult, like having to take care of her mother, not really having her father around as much. Um, but I would get pretty scared. <laughs> I agree. I'm currently 22 and I still get scared when I'm alone. Uh, always have a buddy. <laughs> uh, this, this podcast so is sponsored by buddies. Um, uh, three is okay exactly um so bella goes to find a bookshop and she finds a hippie bookshop and she goes i don't want to talk to her because bella doesn't want to interact with anybody um so she doesn't go to the bookshop she tries to find someone else because she hates hippies That's and she gets just so aggravating 
I know. What's really funny is like this bookshop, I know Renee would walk in and she would make it her home. And just Bella's like, this is not who I, I am. You know what? Like, and I very much agree with what you said uh, in the first uh, episode where like her and Charlie, Bella and Charlie are very similar in that way where they, they uh, admire solitude a lot more than having to talk with people. A- an introvert, if you will yeah and I just think it's very interesting you know Bella and Charlie spent very little time together and you I think you get most of your personality from like nurture versus nature but like nature hit her hard she is exactly like Charlie nature slapped her across the face (laughs) um so she's getting lost and she sees a Volvo and she automatically goes stupid vampire and so she 100% has decided that they are vampires but was still confused about the sun thing little did she know I wouldn't be surprised if she like walked past a window with like Swarovski crystals just shining at her (laughs) she's like I just can't figure out that sun thing (laughs) see somebody sparkle (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) they've got nice Uh, highlighter (laughs) <laughs> exactly um is that that fenty beauty highlighter uh sponsored by rihanna please <laughs> dear god please listen to our podcast one day and so <laughs> if any celebrity okay off topic if any celebrity is listening to this i think it's like lizzo and doja cat <laughs> oh my god doja love you never stop being you uh thanks for listening um go get yourself some granny smiths um okay so nighttime it starts to get nighttime and bella's just still wandering around i would have turned my ass around i would have been like i'm going to find my friends i need to stop walking in the same direction right um she even notices she even notices she goes hmm everyone's moving in the opposite direction of me but i'm gonna keep going you know because she's not like most girls I'm not like other girls. I walk against the grid. I drive on the left side of the road. <laughs> These four men, they start to harass her. They're like, hey, baby, what's up? Except it's, my, it's okay, it's kind of scary. The situation is kind of scary. Um, but they start to harass her and she just kind of like walks by. Um, and then she notices that two of them are following her, but not the other two, which ends up being an important detail. And uh, she walks quite a way. She runs into a dead end. And then she's like trying to really like she sees traffic ahead of her. Right. She thinks she's so close to being safe. And all of a sudden, all four of them are there. And it turns out they were kind of herding her into this really dangerous situation. And this is just absolutely like this whole situation is deplorable. It's so scary. Um, And I think it was actually written like really well, like that kind of fear that Bella had while it was happening. Um, yeah, I agree. And also just like, um, I really like the way that she like handled it as like, just trying to not say anything or give them attention and just trying to walk, uh, not running, not trying to like, let them know that she sees them just walking. Um, I think Bella like handled the situation really well. Like she was very calm. She was always like looking for a way out. She paid really good attention and if it were me i would be panicking so hard (laughs) i also enjoy uh the little tidbit of her like remembering the little self-defense that she knew and i really i just really wanted to see her put fingers through someone's eye sockets like that's what she (laughs) says here 
and just pop the eye out. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, gr- <laughs> Bella would be hashtag girl boss of the year if she just poked these predators' eyes out. <laughs> and so um, she starts to try and fight. She like grips her purse really hard. She's like ready to just like go at him, as if she's not. As she made us known, as she let us know in a couple chapters ago, 110 pounds. <laughs> That's when Edward rolls up. We don't quite know it's Edward yet, but we can assume he's our anti-hero in this story. And he, like, opens the door and he just growls at her. He's like, get in. And she gets in. She doesn't even, like, mention that she knows who the voice is. She just hops right into the car. And this is Bella. Bella, I'm begging you, do not hop into strange very much, cars. Like, it could have been like fr- a friend of those guys, just like herding her into a car. Like exactly, like that would have been my first thought. I would have been like, this man's. This is another one of them. They're all gonna get in after me. This is gonna be so scary. Um, but no, she's very trusting. She apparently she recognized Edward's voice, right? She could he- recognize it as if she heard it a thousand times, stuff like that. And uh, they get in the car she sees his face and she feels crazy or yeah she feels crazy safe and she like realizes she starts to feel like crazy safe and she realizes you know he looks pretty mad and she almost wonders why (laughs) they go and they park under the street lamp and edward's like you need to help me calm down and she goes uh i want to beat a man up tomorrow (laughs) Because Bella chooses violence every single time. Um, And Edward's like, this is not helpful. And so they just go off to the restaurant and uh, Angela and Jess are about to leave. And Bella's like, hi, guys. And they're like, oh, where were you? And Jess, okay, so Angela seems genuinely worried. She's like, where have you been? Like, what's going on? And Jess just seems really pissed off. She's like, why the heck is this bitch with Bella? Like, or why the heck is this bitch with Edward? Like, what is he doing with her? Like, that type of stuff. Like, Jessica is eternally jealous and she can never seem to hide it. And then they kind of leave her, no questions asked. Bella winks at Jessica, which is like, why? Uh, that's very, uh, I'm intrigued. That does not seem like something Bella would do. I, I couldn't imagine her winking. Um, that felt so out of character. Yeah. And like, also, you, I, on the topic of Jessica being jealous, you can also tell that she could care less about her because she's just leaving her with this dude. <laughs> exactly. Like, sure, it's Edward Cullen from school, but it's Edward Cullen, the one that doesn't talk to anybody but his siblings who are all dating. <laughs> like, that's that's the creep. That's the guy you avoid. He's the one who draws pentagrams in his uh, notebook. He draws pentagrams in his notebook and his black hair covers his eyes and you're supposed to find it sexy instead of extremely scary. Cue opening note to Black Parade. Welcome to the Black Parade. (laughs) Okay, anyway. And so they leave her with no questions and Bella's like, I really want to be alone with this man, which uh, I am Bella. It's almost like... so. That's another thing that's uh, aggravating to me is just like the constant draw between them. Like it's very much similar to that of the imprinting that the wolves do. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like on the same topic of Bella being clairvoyant, like maybe like she senses that there is like supposed to be something 
between them like yeah and so yeah and like i know that with the vampires not to get too deep into it because they're gonna introduce this whole idea later right but i know that with the vampires once they're both turned uh they can be into other people but once you find kind of your person it's just like this magnetic attraction and it's nothing like imprinting or anything like that because that's not what they talk that's not what they explain it like but there's that magnetic attraction between the vampires and like for some reason like Bella and Edward like feel it so strongly and like part of it is Edward literally wants to eat her but Bella she's just like mm, something feels warm and fuzzy <laughs> I would say I would like to say like I read this at a very young age and I was in love with it and I pictured myself like falling in love this way and it very much has affected me in the long run where like I expect it to be like this feeling like we're drawn to each other and that's not really yeah. how it is that isn't how it is and I'm like this I feel like this book very much ruined relationships for a lot of people <laughs> um I'm about to start a segment that's called let's talk about your relationship <laughs> and why Twilight ruined mm. it uh so that my listeners can call in and I can help them through it because this this is damaging yes. especially for like young girls like we're kind of expected to or it's not even just Twilight, okay? It's like, it's Hunger Games, it's Divergent, it's Harry Potter, it's all of them. Oh my goodness. You basically... Mm -hmm. And like, in it, as like a kid, I'm like putting myself in these books. Like, I have brown hair, I have like brown eyes, and I feel like I'm like, you know, nerdy and like out of it. And like growing up, I very much felt like the pick-me girl where it's like, God, no one's into me, I'm so ugly, but also everyone's looking at me <laughs> girl every time I walk into a room I'm like it is me I am I am it <laughs> <laughs> is that narcissism maybe um but you know like all of these books they really damage like a young girl's psyche when it comes to the relationships that are built in them like absolutely none of this none of these novels that we read as like kids um have good relationships in it like with hunger games with like katniss and Peeta, like they were in a war right like they're <laughs> they in trauma yeah, high stress high trauma situation and i've heard that usually most like bonds that are created within trauma are don't last very long because it's like a um i don't know it's like if you share a trauma it, it kind of affects your relationship in a way like neither of them are gonna heal from yeah. it you know and but like then when it comes to like edward and bella uh sorry but when it comes to like edward and bella they have this attraction to each other they're like magnets but they don't talk like they've talked like four or five times this whole novel yes and i like made a note and we're probably gonna talk about this but like both their conversation here at dinner and, and then the one that they have in the cafeteria uh in uh chapter 10 it kind of aggravates me like the dialogue that they share um because it's, it's kind of supposed to be like smart and witty and they're just like going back and back with questions but it just it feels like they're not really speaking within a conversation it just feels like they're repeating something i don't know it, that's how it feels for me um yeah especially like with all the questions and stuff and it's just intriguing and it's definitely it's definitely one of those like get to know you type of questions right it's like 
it, <laughs> if we were vampires and forks, it's the same thing as like, what's your favorite color? Like, what kind of me meat do you eat? <laughs> well, and it's also interesting that like, they're, they've already established that they are drawn to each other and stuff like that, but they don't know a single thing about each other. <laughs> Yeah, like that's the thing. They know nothing about each other. They found out Edward thinks that she likes Debussy, but she doesn't. She just likes Claire de Lune, and he's like hooked on that, right? Mm -hmm. They don't know each other. They just feel something, but it's the same thing. Like, you know, if, when you're on the subway and there's that really pretty person, and you're like, oh, that's them. That's my person. <laughs> and then they're gone forever. Or like, <laughs> or like we've gotten like, from Edward, we've basically just seen his Tinder profile. We've just seen his yeah. pretty pictures of his face, and then like a small like, uh, I uh, like classical music and drive really fast. Um, it's just like a stupid bio, but um, that's and then it's like the first, <laughs> mm -hmm. like you swipe right, and um, the first thing he says is, "You wouldn't like me. I'm too dangerous." <laughs> Yeah, or like you know, he hits you up with a WID, oh, but you I don't want anything. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, or <laughs> it's even worse than that. It's like the guys that message you on Tinder, and they're like, and instead of like just hitting you up with like all they want is sex, it's like I want to get to know oh. you. And then once they get to know you, they're like, uh, no, this is what I want. Or you know what? I picture this. Okay, so Edward for sure is that guy on Tinder that will has a copy and paste paragraph of um I just saw you right now and you look so beautiful in your pictures and I just wanted you to know that I feel a strong connection with you we should definitely meet up so we can see how this connection grows and it's just like this long paragraph of just bullshit <laughs> just copy and paste it on each pretty person's tinder <laughs> Yes. Um, also, last last Tinder joke, but Edward is the guy who uses Hinge because Tinder banned him so many times. <laughs> and so, okay, okay. Um, we haven't even gotten to the conversation. Well, no. <laughs> We're just dissing them. <laughs> Hello, listeners. It's Grace coming in from my little sound booth, which is nothing more than a blue chair in the corner of my room. You can kind of hear my cat rolling around, doing her thing, playing with her toys. Um, this section is probably the poorest sound quality <laughs> ever, but I just wanted to cut in and say this is where we're ending part one of episode three of To My Chagrin, and we're going to be back in two weeks with part two of this episode because it's really, <laughs> we talked for a really long time and I'd rather cut it down into two slightly smaller segments. Um, I apologize again for the sound quality, but hopefully it's not too bad. See you in a couple weeks. Hi everyone, this is the end of the episode. I want to give a special thanks to Andy Valentine on Fiverr for the music, and Instagram user Lenovato for the podcast art. Both of their information will be linked in the show notes. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Grace. And if you like this podcast and want more Twilight content, follow me on Twitter at ChagrinPod or on Instagram, also at ChagrinPod. And if you really like this podcast, share this with a friend who also loves Twilight or a friend who hates it, because how else will they learn to love it? Doesn't quite matter to me who you send it to, but send it out. Don't have any friends? That's okay. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts in hopes that a stranger on the internet finds it. 
this has been to my chagrin and i'll see you next time <laughs>